Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast Special Edition. I'm your host, Max Bryden. If you're wondering why I'm here to talk NRL, it's because Supercoach Playbook are taking their draft a little bit more seriously this year, and I'm very excited to be hosting the first ever Supercoach Playbook draft show. Uh, I love the draft format. I've been playing for a number of years. I'm certainly not going to be able to talk about it all myself. I'd like to welcome a very special guest to the website. He's a man who has been uh, writing about draft for Playbook for a couple of years. Uh, It's Stevie Hevener. How are you, Stevie? Hey, Max. How are you? How good is it to talk draft? It is. It's amazing. I think you articulated really, really well when we were floating the idea of this uh, podcast that the tough thing about draft is, unlike classic you can't talk about it with your mates because as soon as you start talking about it, they're going to know about your waiver plans. They're going to know who you want to prioritize on draft night. So I'm really glad to have you here to talk with this about. Yeah, especially like before you're getting to the draft day, you, you've got all these key players that you're interested in and you, you're trying to bottle it down and keep it to yourself and not let your mates um, let on it. But you, you rely a lot on that advice from other sources because you can't talk to your mates. Now, big show planned today. We're going to go into Draft 101, the brilliant basics in order to get you not only playing draft this year, but also winning your league. Hopefully, some good information for the newbies. We're going to talk about the importance of finals. Now, this is something uh, that draft experts know uh, inside and out, um, but can make a real difference in the players that you choose in your season. We're going to talk through a few positional rankings so you can start to build your pre-draft boards, and then we'll get into a listener Q&A. Now, before we get into that, though, Stevie, the people want to know your draft chops. Can you tell us a bit about like your experience, how long you've been playing, and a little bit about your league as well? Okay. Um, well, I've been playing it probably, we just had our 10-year reunion about two years ago, so about 12 years. Wow. Um, we've grown from an eight-man league up to a 14-man league, so it's pretty hectic. We get pretty deep. Um, I've uh, dabbled in other leagues as well, but I guess that's the main league um, that I play with the guru for people that listen to his podcast. So I um, have a lot of experience with him, a bit of debates throughout the season. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, we definitely, we talk quite a bit, uh, like our friendship is probably based a lot on Supercoach and Draft over the last 12 years, which is just great. For, it's a great form to get people um, to talk, um, th- whether you be mates or people that you're just learning to play with. It's just a great, um, great form of fun. Yeah, absolutely love that. I think my league in itself, we're coming up to maybe the fifth or sixth year, the Abernathy Cup. Um, And we started out as a six-man league. We're 12-man for the first time this year. We've added two more from our 10-man. Yeah. Um, And again, it's just I absolutely love. You can sit there for 26 weeks and just talk absolute smack in the WhatsApp chat. Is that Um, that it? Do you reckon you guys will cap it at 12? What happens if people come along? Would you? Is Is that as big as you would go for a league? It's a great question, and I know that a lot of people love to kind of think about this. I reckon, given that I'd say 80% of the league uh, know what they're doing and we've still got a yeah. few sort of people who want to just sort of dip in and out, if we get any deeper and we're getting past like the best 150 players up to like 200 or so, I think yeah. it might get a little bit tougher. But you can always sort of change that a bit with like your team size. Like we play with nine on field. We've got one yeah. in every position, two two RFs, two CTWs and a four-man bench. So it means that like waivers are always pretty spicy. What, what, yeah. what kind of team size are you guys playing? Well, we go we go 13 players and – oh, wait, 17 players, sorry, I should say. Wait, no, 13 players and four-man bench. Wow. Um, it gets pretty deep. But I guess you just touched on it there. The draft um, 
uh, settings have been adjusted in the last few years where you can actually do whatever you want. It used to be like you could either play like 10-man or 13-man, um, but you can literally adjust so many of the settings right now and um, they've even added some new ones this year. But um, like you said, like it's great to start off a little bit um, shallower in the positions and then once you really get into it, you can even get as deep as you want. But um I think I think twelve is a good number uh, to cap your league size at because <laughs> it gets it does get pretty hectic and you know you start dedicating your life which is you know I love it but you dedicate your life to draft um, <laughs> if you're getting into the fourteen man seventeen man benches. I love that you're sitting here just sort of throwing a bit of shade at your fourteen man league, saying there's two blokes we're going to cut. We might start a relegation that's system. That's right. That's right. That, that's just the beauty of draft. And look, yeah. I, I think um, you know part of the mission of this podcast and what we're doing with the playbook this year is just getting more people into draft as well just because i know like you and i um i'm, I'm a massive convert um i won't go as far to say it's superior to classic but geez i have so much fun playing yeah if you could it's give, different it's, they it both have different. their places it's this i i describe gra- draft day as better than christmas day just because <laughs> like that thrill of having so many players to pick and that's going to be your player for the rest of the season it's just it's a little that's why it's the main difference from classic but i know they both got their place and they're both fun yeah, no, I love to hear that. All right, so look, let's get into the draft 101, how to prepare and win your draft in 2024. Now, this was an article that we prepared for the SE Playbook website, but we wanted to sort of talk through it. Three main areas of what we think are important things for you to prepare and win your draft. And the first point is study your league settings. Now, this might sound nerdy, it might sound technical. Firstly, it's not that hard, but secondly, it does set you up hugely for success. Stevie, a couple of points here to touch on. What are the main ones when it comes to studying your league settings? Um, I guess straight off the bat, you want to know how your draft order is going to be determined, if it's going to be a snake order or if it's going to be linear. So what that means is if um, I'm pick 10 in a 10-man league, in a snake system, I would get pick 10 and pick 11. In a linear system, I'd get pick 10 and pick 20. So you want to know um, where you are in the order, how it's going to be determined, and exactly when your picks are going to be. Yeah, huge one. I know that the the randomized button's very popular uh, in the SE Playbook. Sorry, not the SE Playbook, the Supercoach website. Um, I know that in one of my leagues this year, we're actually doing a marble race. Yeah, how cool uh, is which that? Which is going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I saw actually, you're in that you league said, as well. Yeah, Maybe I, I don't just, want to share too much information. No, yeah. I wonder how you picked it. How many takes are you taking on the marble race before you get number one? Yeah, that's it. There's a lot of uh, edits that fill on the cutting room floor. No, uh, it's just so little things that make it a little bit exciting about the, the draft. If you, The randomizer is fine, but you know, just those little aspects can make that draft draw quite fun. Absolutely. Some other things in terms of your league setting, squad sizes. Now, we've already spoken about the differences in our leagues. You've got 13 on field. I've got just nine. The ability to set this can really make a difference to how deep you've got to go in your study, but also the types of positions that you're going to prioritize. So this is something where I think that will differ in some of our assessments of player coming from leagues like mine, where I've only got two two RFs uh, and two CTWs, where you've got four CTWs, is that right? Four CTWs and three two RFs, yep. 
Yeah, love that. Um, buy rounds is another thing which you can sort of tinker within the settings. Uh, I know in my league, we go from nine on field to only six players counting during the buy round, which um, does make it a bit more even, a little bit more interesting. does also make waivers really spicy as we have uh, coaches dropping really valuable players just so they can scrape a win um, yeah. or, or, or even just some coaches even just throwing the round as well, knowing that they might not need a win if they're sitting pretty on the table. Um one that I'd love for you to touch on, Stevie, just within your settings is captain versus non-captain. Now, this is something that a lot of draft players, uh, they question deeply before they start their new season. I'm a non-captainer. You're a captainer. What are the benefits of playing in a captain's league? Uh, a captain's, it just adds a little bit of excitement, I think, throughout your weekend. So, um, especially if you've got a VC and a captain, you, you're particularly focused on one game that your VC or captain can go exceptionally well. So, you're starting the match up before and you're like, all right, I might I might throw it on this this um, Rocks or Diamonds player and he could double your points. Um, it adds a little bit of excitement. There's a bit of risk and I understand the non-captain's point of view is, you know, if you don't get those top picks or you get a few injuries, you, you're really behind the other players. Um, but I guess the captain's argument is that you got a little bit more excitement in, in your weekend watching a particular player and you're, you're really rooting for that one player. Yeah, love that. And look, as a non-captainer, um, a lot of the discussions I have with my league are around the fact that it could make it more unfair for just yeah. those who pay a little bit more attention and maybe get the top draft picks. But I think, again, you, you put it well in the green room when you spoke about it also gives um, uh, an opportunity for the Hail Mary as yeah. well. And if there's yeah. a coach that's coming from nowhere, um, he can really upset someone's weekend if he uh, sort of nails that you know, maybe Greg Marzu, 150 game, or even someone a little bit more rogue like Bradman Best when he sort of goes over for his hat trick. So, yeah. yeah. One of the, but, I guess, one of the good examples is like an Alex Johnson as well, who can sometimes get you 20, um, but can go 150. If you VC him and then, you know, captain your, your gun, um, it just makes that, that watch of Alex Johnson so much more exciting. Yeah, should also mention that within any kind of VC looping, uh, you do also have the opportunity to run an AE. Yeah. Um, and you can even control the AE settings as well uh, to have like either a nominated player or your lowest scoring on the bench. So, Do you have all- an AE in your setting? We do, lowest scoring. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. just like classic. What about you? Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, we do the same. Yeah, yeah nice. Um, another setting is a waiver and trade settings. Now, there might be some new players to the game. We've seen this question come up a little bit of times in the SC Playbook chat. Can you talk to us a bit about waivers and how they work? So, like like you said, depending on the settings, typically they work um, Wednesday before Wednesday morning. You have opportunity to bid on players that aren't in any other team. So um, they're typically uh, people that have uh, just emerging as good talents, and they and people haven't picked them up. So you can bid and waiver for a um, a player. Uh, and if you're high on the waiver order, you you're most likely going to get that player. Um, that's that's that that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, nice. No, well explained. And waiver order can be determined by a couple of different things. Yeah. It can be uh, lowest ranking on the ladder. Um, it can be waiver priority. So you've got to, you're rewarded for um, being a bit more discerning with your picks. Um, but again, look in your settings and knowing this will change your strategy and you, when you way you go about it. What Trade you, settings is another thing as well. Sorry, your question. Yeah, I was Steve? just going to say, what do you do for your waiver? 
yeah, we do uh, ranking on ladder, and again, it's it's really just a way to to keep people from falling off, That's you know, right. falling out of love if they're at the back of the pack halfway yeah. through the season. If you're coming last, <laughs> you need something to look forward to each week, and that's that's number one waiver. So yeah, yeah. we do the same. Agree, and look, even trade settings, trade settings, you can either do um, free for all, you can have commissioner approved, you can have league approved. We personally prefer commissioner approved; it just sort of stops any kind of collusion. Yeah, uh, yeah, we do commissioner <laughs> approved. We had um. Majority rules approved, but no trades got through because everyone just denied any trade they were in. So yeah, we do the beauty, now. The beauty yeah. of draft. And look, the final setting, which is a really important one, we are going to go into in depth in a little bit this yeah, in, in a moment's time. It's just the final system. Now, when you set up your league, you can also choose what round it is you start. You can start in round one, just like classic head-to-head, or you can start later in the league. Um, what you can also determine is your finals settings, which means that the four weeks that your la- league is playing finals, they can either run from 22 to 25, 23 to 26, or 24 to 27. And why this is crucial is that you've got to think head-to-head when it comes to draft. You're not always thinking about having just the best players available, but matchups matter. And we'll do a deep dive on that in a second. Now, how to prepare and when you draft. We've just spoken about the league settings. The next thing is ranking your players. Stevie, I know that in your preseason, you're doing a lot of this. What's your system and how would you recommend people out there prepare for their drafts by ranking their players? Um, I go like full rain, man. I get the spreadsheet out. I look at the averages. I start <laughs> doing like projections of what I think the average is going to be. Will they go up and down? Um, but... I don't think uh, that system needs to be everyone's system. Uh, as long as you prepare in some way, whether it be writing down a few players' names that you're really interested in on a piece of paper or just preparing your, your draft list in the in the app, um, you just need some prep. It. I, I prefer the Rayman system, just, just uh, suits my personality. But um, <laughs> if, uh, if um, you know... You just need some preparation. Just have a think a little bit about who you want in your, as a player and whatever works for you. If you're a detail-oriented person, go nuts. If you just like to have the high-level top tips you need to know or top players you're going after, that, that could work as well. Yeah, nice. And look, I think I'm probably more similar to you than I am that I'm not. Uh, my preferred method is definitely looking at um, at least a top 12 for each position, especially within a 12-man league. I like to know who I'm likely uh, to be choosing from. Um, in terms of the options of the table. And I think the thing that I love to do after I've gone through position by position is use my pre-draft board uh, within the Supercoach website yeah. to, to plan at least a top 30, if not a top 50, of just the best talent available, um, which really can connect to the next point, which is planning your draft strategy. So what's really important on draft day is firstly finding out where it is that you're drafting. Now, some people will know this months in advance and be able to dream about taking Nico Hines or Nathan Cleary with the first or second <laughs> yeah. pick. Some people are no, going to be finding me. out, yeah, five minutes before their actual draft night uh, who, who it is that they're going to, be, going to be taking. But from the draft position, the first thing you can do to plan your draft strategy is trying to figure out who is most likely to fall in your lap in the first round pick. Stevie, do you agree with that point? Yeah, definitely agree. And um, I just want to go back to what you said about the the draft list as well. Just like if I can stress one beginner tip, just exclude all the injured players from your draft list. Like, you know, people that we know aren't going to play this year, just put them all the way down to the bottom. And that means if you're on a timer, you won't automatically get someone that's not going to play. 
Yep. No, very, very good call. And um, shout out to Paul from the Abernathy Cup last year who picked up uh, Ryan Pappenhausen um, <laughs> with his third overall pick. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, My, a mate and ours got Taylor May with his eighth overall pick. Yeah, from, love that. Out for the ACL and got him eighth. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's always horror stories from this. Um, I think even just another technical setting is that um, Supercoach offers like a really insightful thing called um, ADP ranking, which is average draft position, where they take a collective overview of all of the drafts that are happening right around the country uh, and will allow the players to be ranked in that order. And look, while that's usually pretty good and not too dissimilar, um, it can miss out on a few nuances like final systems when you're contributing. So um, I prefer to never touch that, to never Mm -hmm. toggle. Um, build my list in one of my leagues and make sure I'm importing that from drafts to draft. And I should stress any Playbook subscribers who need any more detail or information or um, even examples of this, hit us up in the WhatsApp and we'll be very happy to to, to share this information. Yeah, that's a now, great point. Great point. Off the back of planning who you think you're most likely to get with your first pick when it comes to a, uh, your draft strategy, I love to also then play a projection game and think about who my best options are going to be in round two and three. Um, And typically, this is where you start to get into a bit more of your strategy, which we'll take a deeper dive on in our next episode, provided Tim doesn't cancel us, uh, (laughs) and think about who were the first, what kind of positions do you want to fill up first in your team? Now, uh, uh, the the obvious ones at the moment are fullback, given how high scoring that is, but we will go into, into more detail. But um, first and foremost, from a strategic perspective, once you've got your players in mind, the big decision that you've got to make is which position you're going to prioritize and which position is more importantly you're going to deprioritize. And I think that that's the beautiful thing about draft. I think DeRussi said it on the uh, classic podcast recently where draft taught him last year just how average front row 40 is that you know, yeah. any mug can get you 50 over the course of the season. And draft players are sitting there nodding the whole time going like, yeah, of course, we, we knew this one. So that's it. No, that's a good reminder, though, because even you're so tempted. You see such a big name front row forward just sitting there the whole time. And that's a good reminder, even for the experienced draft players, that just to have that always in the back of your mind. If you're going to deprioritize a position, just stick to it. All right. That's the draft 101. And one of the points we said on your league settings was the importance of finals. Now, this is what I love to call the Ricky Bobby principle. If you're not first, you're last. And it's all well and good to play your draft, make it to finals, claim a bit of bragging rights over your mates that you're better than them. But ultimately, if you're not walking with the cup, uh, away with the cup, like, why are we even here? Now, there is a couple of ways that you can win finals. And to give you a little bit of story from my league last year, the guy who ended up winning the overall comp finished the regular season in third in uh, a final system that took the top five through. And he had the number seventh draft pick overall. Uh, he was just behind me, number six, Turbo. Thanks for coming. Uh, that season-ending injury wasn't pretty. But the reason why he was able to walk away with the title was because when it came to the heavyweight rounds, the grand finals, he had players like Kalen Ponga, he had players like uh, DCE who had picked up goal kicking from an injured Ruben Garrick and had back-to-back games against the West Tigers and the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. Um, he also had James Tedesco and the Roosters had a magical uh, end-of-season uh, run. He also had Joseph Suwali, who had picked up goal kicking a few weeks before and, and was averaging about 15 points higher than his average mm-hmm. all season because uh, he finally also went back out to the right wing. Now, all of these players were were good players. They're not necessarily great players, but when it came to the final system, their matchups were electric. And that's what it all comes down to when you're playing in a head-to-head competition. It's the matchups that you're playing 
and your final system is something that you need to understand. You need to try and project when you're making your player evaluation. So I think another thing that we can show you on this show is I play around 26 grand final. Stevie, you play around 27. So the teams that we're assessing, they're slightly different. Um, before I get into the assessments from round 26, uh, anything to add on that, Stevie, in terms of the importance of finals? Um, yeah, you said it You said it perfectly that you draft, um, especially those first three rounds, you draft players that are going to win you um, the competition, not that are going to get you to the competition. So like you said, those those four weeks or three weeks, whatever your final system is, you want players with good matchups in your first three rounds. And like, you know, even throughout... Your, your drafting, you should always have that in the back of your mind. But if I have a, a final in um, in round 26, I wouldn't draft any Tigers in the first three rounds. Maybe I wouldn't anyway. Um, <laughs> but, Be careful uh, now. Oh, yeah, that's true. If you're a Tigers fan, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and, you know for round 27... Um, final system. I won't. I won't draft any Warriors players in the first three rounds. So um, it's definitely like you said. Finals is your focus. You're basically spending your whole year planning for four weeks. Yep. Yep. No. Very well put. And look, we're going to jump into a quick preview of round 26 best and worst grand finals. I should stress that the the the, the data that we're using, um, apart from the draw, is a little bit of assumption. For now, I know that I think you've built your list similarly in that you've identified who you think are probably going to be the best three defensive teams, which shock horror, um, you'd expect to be the Penrith Panthers, probably the Melbourne Storm and the Brisbane Broncos, and the worst three teams in the league, which are likely to be at this stage, the Bulldogs, the Tigers and the Dragons. So you kind of want to look at the draw and a, a game against either the Tigers, the Bulldogs or the Dragons is going to be a big green tick. And a game that's either a buy or against, you know, the Penrith Panthers is going to be a big red cross. So looking firstly at the round 26, uh, which is the final system that the Abernathy Cup plays and is probably the most popular out there, the teams with the worst grand finals runs and some of the players impacted. I'll start with the North Queensland Cowboys. Mm -hmm. So they opened the finals with a game against the Brisbane Broncos. They play the Raiders, who you'd expect to be bottom eight this year. That could be a good matchup. Then in round 25, your preliminary final, they've got a bye, which is absolutely no good. Um, up against then the round 26, if you make it to your final, they're going to have Melbourne Storm that week. So for me, straight away, just to put a practical impact to that, you think about a guy like Scott Drinkwater and you've got a question, is he going to be a round one draft pick if he's not going to be there in your preliminary final in round 25? or he's got the Melbourne Storm in round 26. Now, you might sit here and say you might find value for him if he's as low as, say, like a pick eight or even into the second second round where maybe in the first round you've got a guy with a good draw who's going to win you the final. But these are the types of considerations that serious draft coaches are, are thinking about. The other teams with terrible round six, 20, uh, round six 20 final draws, uh, the Dolphins, they've got the Storm and the Broncos in 25 and 26, which would definitely hurt the stocks of a guy like a Zarko. The Rabbitohs, even though you expect them to be a pretty good team, they're going to have a tough going round 23 against the Melbourne Storm and the round 26 final against the Penrith Panthers. That's just yuck. Um, they do sprinkle a game in the middle of that against the Tigers, which could help. But again, if you want there to, to, to be there to lift the cup in round 26, Panthers is, is, is going to be a tough one. The Eels, they've got the Panthers in 23, the Broncos in 25. They've got a nice final in 26 against the Dragons. But again, you've got to make it through the Broncos just to get there. And the Tigers, as you mentioned, uh, their draw is sort of not too bad for the finals, but around 26 by 
uh, is pretty awful. Uh, a quick look at the teams that are, are looking pretty good. Uh, the New Zealand Warriors, just like last year, they finished the season strong. They've got the Dolphins, the Sea Eagles, the Bulldogs in 25 and the Sharks. The Dragons draws pretty nice. Um, it looks like only uh, one or two teams that will be pushing for the top eight in that matchup. The Knights looks all right. They've got the Tigers in 23. The Bulldogs have got the Dragons in 23, which is pretty good. Uh, the Melbourne Storm, uh, apart from the matchup with the Panthers in 24, they've got the Dolphins and the Cowboys to finish, which is pretty solid. The Sharks play the Titans, Knights, the Dragons in 25, and the Warriors. And the Chooks are going to buy in 23, but the rest of their games against the, uh, the Eels, the Titans, and the Raiders could be pretty good. The big one, though, Stevie, that has just caught my attention all preseason is the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Now, do I like the club? No. Do I like Tommy <laughs> Turbo? A lot. Do yeah. I want him at pick four? I think I do. And the reason being that in his final system in 23, he plays the Raiders into the Warriors, into the Tigers, into the Bulldogs, which is just that's, about as good as it gets. Yeah, that's almost the dream run. Like, apart from the Warriors, um, you know, Raiders, Tigers, and Bulldogs, he could put a motto on all of them. And, you know, he, he's no he's no stranger to putting a motto on the Warriors as well, as much as they're going well at the moment. Absolutely. And look, these are just our projections. As we get closer to the final system, things are going to change and we're actually going to be able to probably get into the detail as to what sides of the fields you want against some of these bad teams mm-hmm. too. So it will really could really make the difference between either drafting in late a Jason Saab uh, versus a Jackson Paolo, if you're thinking about Manly and, and things like that. But that's round 26. Uh, we'll have more information on the website about this uh, in the next two weeks. But, Stevie, why don't you talk us through the 27 finals, who you like and who you don't like? Yeah, I won't go uh, as in-depth as you because I think round 26 is the more popular one, but I will just touch on a few round 27 um, teams. Uh, as I said, Warriors not really interested because uh, they're not playing uh, the grand final. So that's a big difference between round 26 and round 27. Um and then also, you know, the the Cowboys you said was probably one of the worst uh, has one of the worst runs in round uh, for round twenty six finals. But for round twenty seven, they go the Raiders in round twenty four. They go a bye in round twenty five. They go the Storm, which is tough, but they do finish with the Bulldogs. So if you can just get through um, a few of those tougher, like the bye and the Storm, um, it's not looking too bad, especially if you've got a Bulldogs grand grand final. Um, Broncos have a bye in the first uh, week of the finals um, and then they play the Storm at the last week of the finals. So, um, And, you know, with round 27, there is a lot of restings, especially in these top teams like the Broncos and the Storm. So you've got to factor that in when you're playing a, a round 27 um, system, which is why I guess the round 26 is a bit more popular. Um, so moving forward to some of the really good teams, um, Shock Horror, uh, Penrith have an amazing draw for um, the round 27 finals. They they start off tough with Storm, but then they go Raiders, South, and they finish with Titans in round 27. So um, getting a Nathan Cleary uh, is probably arguing that he's a number one in a round 27 um, mm. system. Right, um, he's not rested, I guess. That's right. And again, the restings <laughs> could be, and that you know that's a, the risk you take with some of these these top teams as well. Um, so, yeah, Panthers. Then the Eels, actually, uh, I know they're a bit of a shocker in um, uh, the round 26 final system, but they do finish uh, the season for round 27 with the Tigers. So they go Dragons prelim final, then Tigers into mm. the grand final, which is not too bad if you get an Eels player. 
Um, sea Eagles, again, uh, like round 26, looking great for round 27. Um, Dragons, also not looking horrible, but you're relying on a pretty ordinary team. So they've got the Titans, the Sharks, and the Eels, and finish with the Raiders in round 27. No shocking matchups, but um, yeah, you're relying on some uh, a pretty ordinary ordinary team of late to try uh, to get through. Um, Roosters and also Sharks have a decent matchups as well. So I'd be focusing on um, those teams. And let me just recap very quickly because I know I just dribbled on a little bit. So <laughs> good teams, Panthers, Eels, Seagulls, Dragons, Roosters, and Sharks are the ones I would target. And yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. The players from those teams. Good coverage, Stevie. And look, just to even put a practical example, I'll, I'll give you a test. So for me, the Eels in a 26 final uh, looks bad. They've got the Panthers, but the Panthers in 23, that'll drop out in a 27 final. Yeah. So a guy like Dylan Brown for me in 12-man league consistently is being drafted in mocks between sort of the 7th or 8th as like the best 5-8th on the board for this season. How high would you place him in a 27 mock uh, sort of top 10 at the moment, knowing that in the finals for 27, uh, he's got the Dragons and the Tigers in the prelim in the final? Yeah, so I'm pretty high on on Dylan Brown for around 27. I would take him either 7th or 8th, depending how you felt about uh, drink water. Um, that's what I will take Dylan Brown. Yeah, nice. Okay, so a little bit of a difference there. But look, certainly, certainly something to think about. But what I'd encourage you to do, we haven't gone through the 25 finals here, but if that is your system, go have a look at the draw, match out those four weeks of finals between 22 and 25, and find the teams that have got the good runs and cross out the teams, and it has to factor into the player rankings that you're giving this season. Speaking of, we're about to get into a couple of positional rankings. We're going to go through a few of these this week. We'll go through more next week on the show. Uh, We wanted to dive in, and Stevie, I wanted to get a look at your thoughts on the top 12 hookers this season in draft order. Now, you've got a list, I've got a list. I want to hear yours, and then I'll give you any thoughts or comments if I've got any differences in mine. Yeah, yeah. just before I go into it, just a plug for, for your article that you put on the SE Playbook uh, website. It goes into depth into your top 12 hookers. Great read. I'm pretty much aligned to that. There's a few nuances, but um, we'll just touch on a few players, I think, briefly. Is that right, you're thinking? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so go more in depth in the article, but a couple just to focus on. Um, Coruscant is a big question for me. So he's I've got him ranked as number four and not too far behind uh, Damien Hook and Jerry Marshall King. Obviously, wow. Har- Harry Grant is number one, um, but Coruscant, he's he's one of those players that he doesn't go as well as you think he is when he's in a good team, but I feel like he's going all right with the targets just because he has to do so much. He has to do so much of their creative plays, um, and maybe his scores in Penrith were affected by not being uh, the main dog, or one of, just being one of many attacking weapons. So um, he scored. He got an average of 56 last year, which you know nothing to be sneezed at. Um, and I think he can go a little bit better with some with Tigers probably going a little. I, I'm optimistic on the max. Let me just say that. I'm not a fan <laughs> like you, but I'm optimistic that they can. You know they've recruited decently, um, and you just hope that they can pull it together and that Carousel can be a benefit and be the main man there. Um, I don't mind Reese Robson. He's averaged 55 last year. He's, uh, um, I think he can bounce back to his 22 form. I think the boys have uh, discussed it 
quite in depthly that he scored a lot of tries when he when he had that around uh, that 2022 average. Um, but I think he can st- he's still a bit of a uh, dummy and go kind of player and could still get some more tries this year. And I, I just have a better outlook on the Cowboys. Um, and then I guess uh, once we know the Eels hooker and, you know, that could be Joey Lussick and or hands, I think he's a great value pick late. You could almost leave hooker um, to the very end and, and get one of these um, late positions. And he won't be, they won't be too far off um, the middle middle hookers so um, I think you touched on in your article that it's quite a shallow position um, don't stress too much if you miss out on some of the top, top hookers um, and then uh, just yeah just be patient and see what pops up yeah no good good shout and I think when I've done mocks um, I'm consistently getting a, a Reese Robson who I've got as the fourth uh, best hooker for this season, yeah. but he sort of seems to be consistently sort of between probably the fourth and sixth best. Okay, where do you have Coruscant out of curiosity? I've got Coruscant in seventh. Yeah, um, yeah. the twenty-six buy isn't helping, but I also know oh, yeah, around the course. Tigers um, the presence of um, uh, Talon de Silva uh, as a bit of a bench utility could just yeah. eat into his minutes. But again, if he were to get the goal kicking, which uh, probably not that likely, but but not out of this, uh, not out of the question, um, he could be as high as fourth. So, yeah. Yeah, nice. And you're yeah, so, high on Reese as well. Yeah, look, I, I think Reese Robson can can return to some form, and if not, he's 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 nothing but not reliable. Um, guy like Blake Braley as well. I've got him in fifth. Um, seems one of the few remaining eighty minute hookers in the game. Wade Egan, I owned him last year. Um, loved owning him. I've got him at six. He could be as high as fourth, but um, there's always a bit of an injury yeah. sort of question mark over I'm, him. I'm really worried about his his concussions. I think. Um, he just seems to go off a lot with those that head injuries. Uh, so, um, but yeah, if he stays hurt, fit and healthy, I agree. If you could be a top four, yeah, absolutely. And look, then when you get into the the, the lower end of the hooker drafts, this is where you really got to know your stuff. Um, when we've got Reed Marnie, yeah, uh, Croker, uh, even Cheese, who you know scored pretty well uh, at the end of the season. Are you high on Cheese, well. or are you? I don't know if I want to be the guy who owns Cheese. No, I don't um, either. I'll, yeah, I don't think I'd be shocked if he went. Well, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he was a really frustrating own. Yeah. Um, but look, I think strategically, a hooker is a position I'm pretty happy to write off um, and pick up pick up a player late. For pres- yeah. Especially if there's presenting value. I'll, yeah, I'll just reiterate too. to all the followers, if you want to see all of the lists of these rankings, uh, head to the website. All right. Now, jumping into the front row forward position. Uh, now, not necessarily the sexiest thing to be drafting in your super coach side, but there is a bit of value early on. Stevie, what is your rankings of the front row four positions? Uh, so at first, no surprises to anyone. Payne Haas, um, get him uh, when you can get him, but don't don't go too early on him. Uh, Tino, number two. Uh, Joseph Tarpane, number three. Uh, Mo Fodawaka, number four. I think those first three might not, probably wouldn't surprise everyone. I think everyone's got those same rankings, but I think Mo Fodawaka under Desi, um, he's just such a weapon if you can just bring it together. He just ha- hasn't had a whole season that he can. Um, he's scoring really well, or he just has a he a dip in his game every now and again. So I just want a season where he put it, puts it together, and once he does, he's going to be a weapon. Uh, Max King uh, is number what number I'm up to number five. Uh, I won't go. The boys have spoken enough about that, like injury concerns. So he's definitely high up there. Junior Paulo six. Uh, Tanya Pesaka, number seven. Josh Papali 
number eight, uh, Jake Chavoyevich, number nine, Lindsay Collins, 10, James Fisher-Harris, number 11, and Adam Fenua-Blake, number 12. Just quickly on James Fisher-Harris, he, he averaged 48 last year, and um, it's definitely lower than what he's produced in previous years. So um, he could be a good value pick for people. Yeah, nice. No, good list. It feels like you've maybe forgotten the big the presence of uh, Adam Fenua Blake. Um, I don't know what he's done to you, mate, but he's, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> he's, he's missed your list. I've got him just above uh, Joseph number, Tarpany. He is number 12 for me, but oh, he's really? slipped all the way down. Um, That's a huge slip. He averaged 70 last year. Yeah, I, I kind of buy into the the fact that he – I don't think he's going to score as many tries. It's not a fact, sorry. Um, but And also, I get less keen – when players, uh, I don't know, might be superstitious, nothing, any, no stats to back it up whatsoever. But once a player signed for another club, um, mm. and especially a forward when they're relying on minutes, if the Warriors do, you know, cark it, um, and uh, you know he ends up and they don't make finals, he's not going to get many minutes. They're going to put. And the final thing I will say, that list is four twenty seven, and so he has slipped a lot because he's a warrior. Um, and that's that's all factoring in him being twelve. And what was he for you again? I've got him at three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, I, I think you know this this list is um, that I've got, and mine's very similar. Tino and Haas, pretty interchangeable at one and two. Yeah. Um, AFB Tarpany. I had Mitch Barnett pretty high. That was until Physio came out yeah, and said yeah, that his that neck injury too. sort of yeah. could fall off at any time. Um, JDB is in there, but then some of the regular contributors around Mofo, um, Paseca, Terrell May could be interesting, and Jerbo is always sort of pretty reliable. Yeah. Um, look, I would say that draft, as I mentioned at the start of this podcast, does teach you that every front row forward is basically exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the strategy for the position, my thoughts are if I'm not really prepared to take Tino or Haas in, say, round two or round three, I don't really want a front row forward until sort of pick 60s, 70s at the absolute earliest. And that would only be for someone like Tarpany, um, maybe AFB. Um, but if not, I'm going post pick 100. And then it's just a matter of taking the best available talent from this list that's still there. Uh, in mocks, I've still been getting um, Max King or Mofo um, post pick 100. So um, you don't need to stretch on front row forward. And in fact, it's a really great way to build an advantage uh, against other people in your league. Yeah. And like you said, I'm, I would be happy to get both my front row forwards after round 13 in a 17 round uh, draft. So um, you don't need to panic. If there's value there and the, you see a good front row, uh, front row, go for it. But don't panic and stretch and pay upwards for a, a high pick on a front row forward when you can get so much value in other positions. Nice. We're going to jump ahead now to the halfback. Uh, slight change of script, but I'd love to talk to you about the halfbacks and get your list of the top 12 in the game. Yep. Okay. Uh, halfbacks. Okay. So uh, Nathan Cleary, number one, just for round 27 uh, finals. I think he's the number one choice. Uh, but if you went Hines, if you got any of those two, you'd be super happy. Don't need to go into depth about those guns. Everyone knows they're, they're freaks. And if you got one or two uh, pick, you'd take them. Um, then I've got Jerome Hughes. I think uh, a lot of people are expecting a bounce back. And I also expect a bounce back. He finished the season quite strongly last year um, and I think that round 71 average is just the floor of what he can achieve this year. Uh, DCE keeps getting it done, super consistent. Um, that Seagulls draw you talked about, lovely. Um, so he's my fourth. Number five, I've got Mitch Moses. Um, so again, Eagles draw is not 
not looking too bad for round 27, but even then, in it, round 26, I don't hate Mitch Moses. So, um, and then number seven is quite uh, one, a controversial one. We've been talking about him quite a bit off off air, um, Matt Burden. So he's such an enigma at the moment. He could be he could be around. Um, he could be number three halfback, I think, in that year if, if everything lines up. But he could also equally be around, you know, a twelfth halfback. Just you know, you're hearing he's playing centre winger in try in training. Um, he's playing centre. Sorry. Um, who knows if he gets the kicking duties? I think you're pretty optimistic on him. Do you want to shed your thoughts on him? Yeah. Look, I just feel like he's not a guy I've ever owned in draft. Um, I've owned him from time to time in classic, but he seems to have these weeks where he can, can tie together like lots of 80-plus scores um, because he's a running first guy. Like when he does run um, and create stuff, it's either line breaks for himself, tackle breaks, um, or offloads for line break assist and try assist. So um, much like all halfbacks in these games, he can have single plays that are going 20, 30-plus points. If he does that a couple of times a game, then... He can score really well, and yeah. he was a 54 average last year, which was very disappointing. But at, at points during the season, it was a lot higher than that. Uh, it was only really how badly the dogs fell off at the back of the year. And if you prescribe to the fact that the Bulldogs should score more points this year with Crichton coming in and just uh, Viliami yeah. Kikau fully fit, um, he's going to have his hands in a lot of that tack. Yeah. Um, and I like the finals draw. Um, I don't know how early I'd take him. I'd like the duel. Um, the jewel I is think, handy. Yeah, I think I'm more I th- pessimistic and you're more optimistic is the simplest way to describe it, right? <laughs> yeah. But again, I, I think that this is the beautiful thing about draft is that if you're faced with the option and the decision to pick him, um, you've really got to go with your gut. Yeah. Because, you know, you only got yourself to blame. So if you're hiring a guy, um, jump on him, trust your gut. Yeah. That's uh, a great if you, point. Even if you've got question marks, then yeah, just don't do it. And just like we said about cheese, it's sometimes you think about draft. It's a problem that you don't want to have to have, so you yeah. can make it someone else's. And you don't want to be frustrated watching watching someone or that you could have owned. Um, so definitely get him if you're high on him. Uh, and and equally, like if you enjoy watching someone, that's that's a reason to push him up uh, the draft list. I reckon. So that's what we do it for a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, I'll keep going with my list. So then I've got Sean Johnson at number seven, um, uh, probably higher on for a round 26 um, draft, but because I'm playing round 27, it's just down there. Um, Adam Reynolds, Sam Walker, he was a little bit higher for me, but then, like you said, heard that stuff about the physio um, and read, uh, go out and um, get his injury profile. He's uh, got a 30% chance, I think he said, of getting a... Um, and uh, ACL, tear. ACL tear, so that really, I'm that really worried me. And then to round out the list, I've got um, Luke Brooks, um, and I think a lot of people are high on, on Brooks. And you know, there's a world where he goes a little bit higher. But I will say, you know, everyone's excited that he's going to be in another team. Um, but I'm a bit wary that he's going to be uh, not the dominant half anymore, and that might allow him to score more super coach points, but just means he's got to do a little bit more with his uh, less touches. Yeah, I think well put. And what I'll also say is that guys like Burton and Brooks who will have the duel, if you are picking these guys early in your draft when you've got a spot at either halfback or 5'8", whack them into 5'8", because as we'll say in next week's pod when we go through that position, the depth at halfback is better than the depth at 5'8". Yeah. So your chances of getting... 
uh, a better halfback to pair him with, a higher than getting uh, getting a good five eighth. And look, I think your list is is pretty good, and I can start to see those differences between the round twenty six final. Um, I've got SJ as high as three. Uh, in, in that, but it's again, it's got to be a bit of a believer's pick. Certainly his score last year will tell you uh, just how good he is when he's fit and firing, but for me, the niggling injury worry about his calves and you know other sort of old man injuries is one that, again, a problem I don't really want to have in my team. Yeah. Um, Hughes at four, DC at five, that finals run is really juicy and could see him go as high as three in some people's lists as well. Um, Moses uh, is a guy I've got down at seventh just because behind Burton just because of that finals run for the Eels. I also think that a, a guy who traditionally beats up on bad teams and doesn't score well against good teams, he's not the guy I want to put in and test um, against a tough finals draw. So just, just another guy I hope I don't have to choose. Um, Sam Walker, again, I, I'd almost rather go him over Moses, yeah. um, but the injury risk is ever present. And then my list is pretty similar. Um, the only guy I think is worth mentioning, he's pretty low on the list, but you can get pretty good value if you sort of ride off this position and don't pick until sort of, you know, 70th in your draft. But Jamal Fogarty gets the goal kicking back at Canberra for any tries that they are able to score this year and should be the dominant hand um, in their attack. Um, his best season as Supercoach, he averaged 65. It wasn't that long ago. He's got a decent base. So he's not the worst pick um, if you do neglect this position and, and leave it till very late in your draft to yeah. pick up a halfback. I just want to reiterate your point with with Jamal Fogarty then as well. So he's fifteenth on my on my list, and you know if you're getting Jamal Fogarty fifteenth, that's 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 a decent pick. And and like you said, five eight, my fifteenth um, five eight is Luke Metcalf. So um, it's getting pretty slim at five eight, like you said earlier. Um, so halfback. Um, you could go quite late and get a value pick quite late in the draft, whereas 5-8, you could be up shit creek very early on. Yeah, that's it. I mean, realistically, looking at this list of halfbacks, there's probably eight guys or even nine. It wouldn't shock me. Um, maybe let's go 10. Let's go 11. Let's go 12. There's probably 12 guys here. The top 12 halfbacks could all average over 60 yeah. and you wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. But at 5-8, you're probably looking at maybe three or four. That's correct. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I agree. All right, that's it for the positional rankings for this week's episode. We've still got plenty to get to. We've got 2RF, we've got 5 eighth, we've got CTW and the lottery down there. Then we get to the Ferraris, the fullbacks. I'm really looking forward to getting your thoughts on those, Steve. We might have to go to like position, to, you know, list 30 off air. Like we could talk about this forever. Well, that's it. And this is the value that you can add if you subscribe to the SC Playbook podcast. That's it. That's what you get. The podcast, even in the website as well. Um, and to finish off this episode, we're going to get to a few listener Q&As. And I must say, I'm really enjoying all the conversation from uh, the draft conversation in oh, the yeah, WhatsApp the, group. The draft band is great. I love it. It's good stuff. There's lots of varieties of experience as well. Some people are new. Some people are really experienced. So, um, But the main thing is, is that because people aren't necessarily playing in leagues together, everyone's just helping each other out. Look, the first question for you, Stevie, comes through from Sam Pickworth, and he says, how differently do you approach drafting for captains versus non-captains? Yeah, oh, great question. Um, I would touch on it briefly, I guess. In a nutshell, I would say that if you got captains, you look, you're much more interested in those high-ceiling players, whereas non-captains, you might want the more consistent um, players. Like, uh, this is a preview for next week, but I think... Toto's about, you know, second position for my second winger, whereas I think, Max, you've got him at number one um, for your center winger. And you play non-captains, and he's that perfect, um, consistent player that's never going to let you down. Uh, whereas I've got, like, a Grez Marju at number one, who I think, you know, 
we both would love to have either of those, but Greg Marju has that ceiling. So that's why I'm more interested in him as a, as a captain. So that's my general approach. I, um, those high ceiling players, I want a little bit more in captains, whereas non-captains, I want those more consistent base stat base a little bit more. Yeah, well put. And I think strategically in a captain's league, you're probably using your first three draft picks to go after those guys who can you know, touch right. God with those 150 yeah. scores. So well yeah. put, yeah. Next question is from Johnny. He asks, what round would you grab Burton with the news that he's been having some reps at centre? Now, um, I think we've both got potentially different opinions on this. I, I did have at one point in my pre-draft rankings, Burton as high as about sort of 16th, 17th overall. Um, just a little bit of a, a believer's pick that um, he can do a lot better than he did last year and he could easily sort of push uh, like a 65 average at, at a pretty light position of 5'8". I've gone a little bit colder now. Um, I think I probably personally wouldn't take him above pick 30. Where are you at, Stevie? Yeah, I couldn't take him in the first three rounds. Um, I, I was really high on him last year, and maybe I got a little bit burnt by him, but um, I just feel like he's got so much potential and we, we're just waiting for him. One year he might get it. I'm just erring on the start of caution with Matt Burden at the moment. Yep. Make him someone else's problem, I guess. That's right. Might be the answer there. Yeah. Or unless be the, be the be the guy who... Sees a payoff as well yeah. by taking the risk. Yeah, how big your uh, balls. Next, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> next question from Braden, and he asks, "Who would you be targeting as a pick six and pick eleven on the turn in a non-captain's league with finals twenty to twenty-five? So does it rule out Drinky as an option? Very, very, very good question. And just to recap, the round twenty-five is the Cowboys buy uh, in their preliminary final, so um, really tough. So, what, what do you think, Stevie? Um, I think you put a uh, well, earlier this episode, if you're not first, you're last. And if Drinky's not playing in that grand final, then um, I don't think he, I would want to take him even even at the back end of round one. Maybe round two, you guys could get some value, but you want that guy uh, that's going to play and win it for you. So what about you? Yeah, I don't think I could take him. Um, other options that could be available at six would be Latrell, yeah. Fafida, um, Walsh. Uh, Harry Grant, Munster, uh, hopefully Walsh should still be there. Yeah. I think he'd probably go pick five, but um, still so many match winners um, available at that point. Pick 11 as well is really going to come down to strategically how you want to balance your team. If you've got a fullback, maybe you grab a, the best available halfback like a uh, SJ, Jerome Hughes, um, you know, or, or potentially if you're non-captain's league as well, don't mind in, in, in 11 getting like a, a Haas or a Tino or just someone who you think is um, going to give you a consistent 70-plus score most weeks. So, yeah, what do you think? Anyone else at round 11? Um, uh, does Harry Grant slip that far? Maybe I'd go – if he does, he might go a bit earlier than that. But, yeah, I agree if you um, – even a Haas or um, – so even a tie, I wouldn't even mind around 11 mm. just to have that number one center winger in a non-captain's league. Yep. Yeah, good shout. But I guess the, the beautiful thing is um, like in a, in, a, in a league where there's not um, a, a lot of coaches, your team's going to be absolutely stacked, which is, um, which is really good fun when you look down and see who you own. Um, and the final question from Brandon. He asked, for drafting a flex player, what number pick should we be aiming to use for it? Now, we didn't touch on this in league settings, but there is a brand new thing in Supercoach in 2024, which is the flex player, uh, which is the option for you to choose a nominated auto emergency each week that will count towards your score. So 
um, instead of getting the lowest score, you get basically your highest. So um, have you thought about this? Are you playing this? I know it's not in my league, but I have thought about it a bit. We voted for it. We're a bit uh, traditionalist and uh, stubborn and didn't want change. So we, we uh, aren't doing it this year. I don't... For a recap, what is it? Is it just mean that I can... Uh, put any player in at that position so a full back that's, that's right yeah one person from your reserve bench will, will score points for you on field so it just yeah. means that you know the potential that you could have two full backs or yeah. uh, multiple center wingers so it's just an extra scoring player uh, of your choice yeah I, I, I thought I thought that was I just wanted to double check but given given that's the case I would not real. I would just take the best player that's available. Uh, it doesn't matter if the, if you if another fullback's on the board, then if you're going to use him as a flex, flex, you could take him as quick as round two if that's going to be a flex position. So especially if you got like value in that flex position, like you know, let's say um, a turbo, people are all scared about the injury, and he slips to round two. Imagine getting him as your flex position. Um, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I think that the. Brilliant thing is we're not really going to know what the best flex strategy is until probably next year, yeah. given it's the first time we've played it. I do think in some versions of uh, fantasy, like NFL, they do allow this kind of thing. My thinking is probably a little bit different. I would say you could use it as high as two, but you really need to just be using this uh, with the kind of flexibility that's uh, sort of presumed in the name. Yeah. And what you said is really uh, about value. Now, this is where it comes back in terms of preparation. If you've got a pre-draft list ranking maybe as a top 30, maybe you've done as much as I have and gone as uh, the best 120 players in the game. <laughs> but if you're sitting there on your draft board in pick two or pick three and thinking, geez, there's like a top 15 talent here still on the board, um, and, but he's at a position that I've already got. Maybe it's another fullback, could be another halfback. Then that's probably when you strike because more than anything – what that will do is build up your team but also weaken another. Mm. And I think that what probably the most exciting thing that I think about Flex is that if you're in a league where people love trading or uh, at least give it a crack every now and then, you've got a great halfback uh, or two great halfbacks or two great five-eights or fullbacks or center wingers. People are going to want to offer you stuff for that. Yeah. So it really helps you offset in potential for injuries and sort of different things that happen. So um, I guess to, to summarize it, Brandon, we got no idea, mate, what to do with flex. Um, but we would love to see how this is playing out in your league. Uh, depending it's just on great that they've added that as an option. So, yeah, looking forward to see how it plays out. Yeah, bit of fun. Not for the Abernathy Cup this season, but, boys, if you are listening, uh, then you know maybe we'll float it for 2025. Awesome. Well, that's going to bring us to the end to the first episode of the SE Playbook Draft Show. Um, Stevie, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure been uh, dribbling on uh, with this stuff. Uh, that we love. I can just read your hat as well. Make draft great again. That's 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 fantastic. <laughs> so you'll have to put up a picture of that for uh, all of the listeners uh, in the WhatsApp league. But mate, thanks for joining us. Um, and good luck in your draft. Can you tell us the details? When's it? When's it? When's it happening? So we've um. We have to go down uh, this weekend, unfortunately, because the guru's off to Vegas, um, lucky bugger, <laughs> um, and a few other boys are going there. So we're drafting much earlier than we usually do, but um, we go down for a weekend, so it'll be a good fun down there. Um, but yeah, it's been great tonight. Uh, I could chat chat with you forever. So it's great to have another draft head in and about the traps. So um, yeah, that WhatsApp group's going off. So um, really enjoying the draft community at the moment. 
Yeah, appreciate it, mate. The Abernathy Cup, we're the 1st of March, so just that day before the Vegas game kicks off. Can't wait to see Guru on the big screen uh, on the 2nd for those games. Hopefully he gets a streak in. That would be very nice. But yeah, hope you've enjoyed the show. Any subscribers, ask us questions in the WhatsApp. If you want more information, head to the SC Playbook website. We've got articles going into depth in all of the things we've spoken about tonight. And we will be again, we'll back again next week. So yeah, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Max.